0: Welcome everyone to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're hopefully everyone is, is having a, a safe uh, and warm uh, afternoon uh, because with all of the weather that we have going on, everybody is 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 has uh, temperatures that are below freezing and snow. So we hopefully everybody has uh, is somewhere uh, safe and warm, and you're. Listening to one of the hottest podcast shows uh, around and especially on the Bachelor News Radio Network, uh, we're excited that everybody is able to join us. We want to remind all of the listeners that the calling number to the show is uh, 646-929-0130. That's 646-929-0130. And you can follow You and the Law on our social media platform. You can follow us on Facebook at the law one uh, that's you and the law one. You can follow us on Instagram at you underscore and the law, and you can follow us on Twitter at you and the law one. Uh, so we um, have a a great show planned for our listeners. Uh, we've got a, a very special guest who is uh, going to be joining us uh, uh, today on our uh, edition of uh, Black History Month on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, she is a, um, a phenomenal woman, uh, w- what we will call her, uh, in the law enforcement industry, and she is uh, Chief Vera of Overseas with the uh, Houston Metro Transit Police Department, and we're going to be talking about African-American women in leadership roles in law enforcement. And uh, so uh, just uh, looking forward to having her on the show, talking with us, and talking with you all about some of the things that, some of the barriers that African American women face in law enforcement, uh, and what kind of challenges those are uh, faced with in career advancement. So uh, it's a real important topic that we're having this month, uh, especially during Black History Month, as we recognize uh, people who have came before us and people who are who are in the industry now who are making some uh, some really good positive things going on in their community. Uh, my Co-host is going to be joining us uh, pretty shortly, uh, Chief uh, Swag. As as everybody knows him, he's going to be joining us here pretty shortly. He uh, has a, a press conference going on in Low Rock with all of the weather that they're having up there, so he's going to jump in and join us. But uh, we're going to um, get with uh, Chief uh, Vera Bumpus and uh, welcome her to the show and. Uh, so she can tell us all about her exciting career and what she has been doing. Uh, she's also a past president for an organization that I've been a member of, uh, the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives Noble. She served as the uh, president for Noble back in 2018. So, uh, Chief, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, Chief Green. Thank you so much for the invitation. Mm-hmm. Hey, I you know what? We've we we have been
0: wanting to get you on the show and this was a perfect time to to get you on, especially during Black History Month and it's it's just an honor to have you. So, uh we are just glad you could take out the time to to be with us and talk to our
1: listeners. Yes, well, I'm honored to be on one of the hottest podcasts in the in the nation. So, well, hey, yeah. thank you again for the invite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely two, uh, two great leaders. Um, I consider both of you great leaders, and uh, what you're doing is valuable, uh, not only to the law enforcement community, but to all communities. So, uh, I appreciate all the great information that you bring forth each week. Well, thank you. Thank you. And that that is the whole...
0: Goal of, of our podcast show chief is to to, to let uh, our citizens know what their rights are when they deal with law enforcement and the fact that they do have rights and that, you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, some sometimes those rights are violated and, and uh, we want people to know uh, what they can and cannot do and how to go about uh, making sure their rights are protected. Yeah uh so it, it's been a it's been a very good uh last you know we started this podcast last year i told you and uh it's been uh amazing well received with our listeners from all across the country and we've got a a, a great producer of the show uh who really uh, helps us get this uh, information out to our listeners so um but uh um, again it you know we're we're here to talk about you and and, and kind of tell, uh, tell our listeners uh, where you're from and how long you've been in law enforcement and just some things that that has been going on with you.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I, as you stated earlier, I am the chief of police for Metro Police Department in Houston, Texas, Metro Transit Police Department, and uh, I have been with the agency now for 38 years. Um, oh, wow. I started... <laughs> yeah, a long time. Thirty eight years. <laughs> yes. Cloud yeah. goes by fast whether you're having fun or not. Uh so. yeah, it does. <laughs> but yeah, when I've had fun. Um I started um out here uh, started my law enforcement career with this agency and uh went up uh, through the ranks. I was the first African American female hired by um Metro. And, um, was the first African American female in every rank, um, all the way up. And of course, the first African American, uh, to, uh, assume the position of Chief of Police. So, um, it, w- it was a long ride. Uh, definitely Chief of Police was not on my bucket list, but I always tell people sometimes God has a different plan for your life. And, mm-hmm. uh, I have Chief since 2014, and, uh, it has definitely been rewarding uh, mainly because I've had an opportunity to sow into other people uh, hopefully uh, impart to those who are coming behind me and uh, definitely make a difference in our communities and set an example so at this point in my career it's all about uh, what I can do to prepare others and make sure that uh, their numbers following uh, you know being number one means nothing unless there are other numbers following you So it definitely has been um, a great career, I'd like to say, and I still think law enforcement is one of the most noblest professions that you can be a part of. So um, I definitely have enjoyed it.
0: Well, it it definitely is, and it's a career that, you know, oftentimes, you know, over the years you heard people say, well, you know, I'm not in it for the money, (laughs) because as we know, (laughs) it's not all about the money, but it's about uh giving back to your communities and, and the service being service oriented and as you know the profession has is always changing and uh and and you know hopefully you know things are really changing for the better and uh uh because you know as we have seen this past year with everything that took place with with Black Lives Matter, with you know the talk about defunding the police and 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 all of those things that are going on, there's there's been some challenging some challenges for law enforcement across the country, um, and you know hopefully, you know uh, some people will, you know, really start listening to to what their communities have to say, uh, and and because this is, as you know it's a collaborative effort, everybody is a part of of being a stakeholder and making sure you you've got a a good public safety department.
1: Oh, that's very important, and, and leadership sets the tone for that. Uh, exactly. Right now, based on what we've seen, it's about building bridges. Uh, the days mm-hmm. of us being police uh, you know, those days have moved on, and I think now I, I look at us definitely as uh, public servants um, and focus on being public servants and having that balance and that combination of understanding uh, that, We we serve and protect, and that doesn't always mean taking everybody to jail. So it's about um, communicating, educating, and and building those bridges and knowing that the the community has to be in partnership with us. And uh, I think that so much this summer uh, really shined a light on uh, some of those cracks in the foundation, of this yeah. profession hey, and definitely in the cracks and the foundation of uh of our bridge with the community. So yeah. I think hey, we're well on our way of preparing
0: it. Yeah. Preparing. Hey Chief, we we're we're coming up don't want to interrupt you but we're kinda coming okay. up on our, our break. So we're gonna take this quick break and we'll be right back with you. But you're listening okay. to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
2: I'm Mary-Kate Carey, columnist for U.S. News and World Report, and a frequent contributor to Tell Me More's political chat segment. The person from black history I admire is Condoleezza Rice. Here she is playing the piano, along with Yo-Yo Ma on cello, leading to her once being called the most prominent amateur musician in the world. Condoleezza Rice grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama in the 1960s. In her recent book, Extraordinary Ordinary Lives, she vividly recalls the violence of the Ku Klux Klan and the death of four girlfriends killed in the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. That crime, she later said, was calculated to suck the hope out of young lives, to bury their aspirations. But that didn't happen to Condi Rice. Instead, she went on to become our first female national security advisor, our first female African-American secretary of state, and the first female African-American and the youngest person ever named provost of Stanford University. I can picture her being our first female president someday, too. Her extraordinary, ordinary life is a role model for American women, including ones like me who are not African-American.
3: Back to you and the law on the Bastion News Radio Network and our sister station on WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough. If you have a question for Chief Virgil Green and uh, Chief Humphrey for our guests, uh, make sure you hit us up at 646 929 0130. You can also Hit us up in the chat room. is open. Go to the UN Law Facebook page and ask questions and make comments there. Let your voice be heard. Like Tom in Tennessee. I guess no real uh, connection. Um, but Tom in Tennessee asked a question to your guest, um, Virgil, uh, if first... If um, it's been a challenge uh, to handle COVID nineteen, especially in a, a big city like Houston, um, and, and and what's been going on with that, and then also uh, if it has, uh, what's the difference between Houston um, Police Department and Houston um, uh, Metro or the the, the transportation? Department that the distinguished chief runs, so that came from Tom, sir. Okay,
0: all right. Well, hey, uh, we want to thank uh, Tom for l- taking listening to you and along the Baton News Radio Network. Uh, and uh, today we've got a uh, special distinguished guest uh, with the Houston uh, Metro Transit Police Department, Vera Bumpers. I know she she's got she's laughing at me because I said, you know. These distinguished guests, this lady has so so many titles behind her name and in front. She was the uh, 2003 as the national president for Noble, which is a great organization that we both are uh, members of, and uh, she served in 2018 as the uh, national president. So, Chief, uh, a listener wanted to know what was the difference, be- you know, between the Houston Metro Transit Police Department and um, Uh, and also what uh, precautions you all have been taking? That's
1: a great question, Tom. Thank you so much for asking. First of all, the difference between uh, Metro Transit Police and Houston Police Department is that Metro Transit Police, we focus on everything connected to the transit system. Our system is about 1,300 square miles. Uh, We go through four counties. Uh, whereas Houston Police Department, of course, is responsible for policing everything within the city limits of Houston. And, uh, I think their jurisdictional, uh, area is probably some 600 or so miles, 600 miles, a little bit more probably, um, square miles. So, uh, that's the difference. And, uh, you know, of course they work up under the city system and, the uh, Chief there is Chief Art Acevedo, a very mm-hmm. good friend of yeah. mine. Uh, who is a very good law enforcement partner also, and uh, we have a very good working relationship. And of course, he reports to the mayor, uh, Houston Metro Transit Police. Uh, I report to the CEO of Metro Transit Authority, as well as to the board of directors. So that's the difference uh, between the two agencies. Um, and as far as COVID, uh, we probably been doing what every other agency has been doing, making sure that uh, we continually remind our personnel about the CDC guidelines. Uh, We started mask enforcing mask uh, facial coverings early on uh, in March before it really was mandated. Um, I saw where we were going with it and to make sure that our people were safe. And I not only share information with the personnel, but also information that they can share with their family members um, because we know that, you know, of course, family is very important to each and every person. So we continually send out information, um, uh, not only for their um health care but also for their mental health care. We send out information that they can share with their children, uh, with their other family members. So we've just tried to stay engaged and stay on top of uh everything going on. We've had some members that have contracted COVID but we're thankful that they all recovered. Um, and uh, we just continue to exercise those guidelines that have been set forth, and now that are mandatory um, by our agency as well as nationally.
0: Yeah, and
1: and being you know the,
0: the chief of the, the transit authority uh, police department with everything that deals with transit with with citizens you know using you know public uh, uh, transportation. That 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 in itself has to be a big challenge, especially with the COVID going on, and and making sure that you know your officers have the uh, uh, protective equipment, and, and and at the same time still doing the job of of, of policing uh, the uh, transit system. So uh, I, I don't think you know, I don't think a lot of people realize, expect because if I'm Correct me if I'm wrong, Vera, that, you know, the Houston Metro Transit Authority police is one of the oldest transit authority uh, in the state of Texas?
1: Yes, it is.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Dallas is
1: on board now, and, of course, um, San Antonio has a smaller transit police agency, and now Austin is looking at um, having a transit police department. So, yes, it is. We've been around uh, since uh, 1982, Mm -hmm. so that's when we uh, became a police department. But uh, it it is, you know, because we're moving a lot of people um, on a daily basis. So uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, the mandate came down from TSA for mandatory facial coverings for everyone riding on the transit system. Well, uh, our agency had already put that out locally, so it was not a big change for us. But of course, there's now uh, a lot of, um, a lot more literature and, um, information that is outposted because of the, uh, mandate from, uh, TSA that came down. But we've had not, have not had any real problems with enforcing, uh, facial coverings. We had a couple of incidents, but nothing where, um, after we educated and informed, uh, we were able to gain compliance. So uh, that that's at the end of the day, that's what's important, and that we okay. educate people why.
0: Yeah. So uh, in Houston, has the is there did the mayor do some type of citywide mass mandate, or would uh, would that have impacted uh, what you all do with the transit authority, or? Or how has the city of Houston handled that?
1: Well, the city has handled it basically uh, following the CDC guidelines since it started uh, last month. But the transit agency itself, uh, we came out uh, stating that all riders would uh, wear facial coverings
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: and uh, implemented some things for for their safety as well as the safety of our employees and others. So um, we implemented that early on for all our transit riders, and then we just came back in the last couple of weeks and reinforced it because of the national guidelines for all transit uh, properties and uh, transporta- modes of transportation that facial coverings are now mandatory when utilizing transit. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. All right. Um we want to remind uh, our listeners, if you're just now tuning in, you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And uh, we've got a special guest on today uh, who's the uh, chief of police with the Houston Metro Transit uh, Authority uh, Police Department. And, um, you know, this is part of our Black History Month uh, as we talk about uh, uh, people, who uh, African-American men and women in law enforcement who have, who have either came before us, or who are who are uh, doing some uh, extraordinary things in their in their careers and with their agencies, and so. Um, but you know, Vera, you you've been around. You said for for 38 years with the uh, uh, Houston Metro Transit Police. Um, have you seen? It, it, I mean, this may be a stupid question because we're both in the same field, but. Uh, What barriers have African American women uh, been faced with, with career, getting in the door and with career advancements?
1: I think um, some of the barriers, you know, men and women, uh, we put on ourselves um, Mm -hmm. because many times look is based on what we see. Um, I was listening to a young lady who is. just started with um, an agency, um, Park Rangers, and she was sharing how it used to be where there was a height requirement, and that is why women uh, did not uh, pursue um, a career with that particular agent, law enforcement agency, and now that has changed. But even though some of those barriers that were there have changed, we still allow sometimes people around us put those limitations on us uh and you see now where there are more women at the top in leadership uh, in chiefs positions uh, we have come so far i share with a lot of the young female officers in my department now some of us are i saw uh early on in my career they will never have to experience that and we yeah. all stand on the shoulders of somebody uh, that paved the way for us, and that, and when I came along, there weren't women in leadership that I could look to. I saw some uh, out of the state, maybe, every now and then, you, you know, of course, I, I remember Jackie Barrett, uh, the, the two women, the chief of Atlanta and uh, the sheriff in Atlanta, those were the first women that I really knew in leadership roles, and I met them through Noble, and heard their story, but now it's it, You know, we've come so far, and those limitations, you know, it's all about us pursuing. Of course, you you may at times have unseen barriers that you'll have to push through, but it's just having that uh, tenacity, that persistence to know uh, what you bring to the table to, to make a decision to push through. So I think we've come a long way in that area, and that women have proven themselves that they can be great leaders at every rank in law enforcement. And uh, as continually, I mean, you see every day almost uh, chiefs stepping up, coming to the forefront, being appointed chiefs at all these agencies. Mm -hmm. The one that I I think of now is in North Carolina, of course, I think they had five black female chiefs um, that uh, they highlighted a couple of years ago, and I thought, you know, that was amazing. You wouldn't have seen that years ago. And, of course, when I was coming along, I told them, my mentors were men because I didn't see any women. So I'm very appreciative of the men, you know, that pushed me in this position, that that, that continually never, uh, you know, sugar-coated it for me, Uh, always made sure that, you know, I'm going to give it to you straight, This is Mm -hmm. when you can do this, and I'm not going to baby you or help you. But I had men around me that um, I can say I credit for um, making me, um, helping me get to this point where I am today that instilled in that strength, mental inner strength that I I eventually came up with. Because, you know, starting out, I was a little wobbly looking like, oh, can I do this? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And of course, yeah. with your family, friends around you. Like, why would you want to do that? Why don't you get a regular eighty-five yeah. job? You know, so um, you know we're all a product yeah. of those persons who have imparted into us.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, Chief, uh, we're coming. We're coming up on our next break, so we're going to take this break and we're gonna come back with you. We're going to be talking about Nova, but you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
2: Required listening with Amazon Music. <laughs> Add music again.
3: The greatest guitarist of all time. Wait, who? Alexa, add this
0: song to a new playlist. Sure, what's
2: the new playlist
0: name? Jack's Intro to Classic Rock.
2: Adding Stepping Stone by Jimi Hendrix to Jack's Intro to Classic Rock playlist. Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you, and soon he, will love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at AmazonMusic.com. Renews automatically, cancel anytime. Blog Talk Radio. Now you can increase your
4: yields by using Conklin's Guardian slow-release nitrogen additive. Guardian holds your nitrogen in the root zone where it's needed over a longer period of time. That, in return, can reduce your nitrogen rates. That saves you money. And whether you want it in a dry or liquid formula, Guardian helps in reducing groundwater contamination, too. So save your money and be a good steward all at the same time by using Conklin's Guardian.
3: Welcome back to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network at WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carver. 646-929-0130 is the number to get in touch uh, with us. You can do so by hitting that or go online and listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA-Bachelor. But the rebroadcast is at uh, our website at the bachelor News. Radio Network dot com, the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. Back to Chief Virgil Green and Keith Humphrey and their guest, Chief of Police Vera Bumpers, who leads the Houston Metro Transit Authority Police Department.
0: Well, hey, we want to welcome everyone back to, uh, as LA just shared with you, to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we definitely thank LA for everything that he does behind the scenes and, and keeping this show, uh, running. And, uh, so we couldn't do it, do it without you, brother. We definitely thank you, but we're, we're back with our guest, uh, chief Vera Bumpers, who, uh, we want to get in and talk about when you served, uh, as the president with noble and, you know, noble, a lot of people don't really know about noble. Uh, if you're not in the law enforcement industry and some people who are, don't even know about noble, but it is a great organization that has helped so many people and is and has uh, done a lot for uh, law enforcement but let our list talk to us about when you served as the, the president for noble and some of the things that that you to um, do while you were the president for noble and and the fact that noble has a really good partnership with the uh, Department of Justice and how uh, when it comes to policies and, and some things being implemented. So, uh I'll let you talk about that, Lyric.
1: Okay. Yes. Oh, NOBLE, um, Noble stands for National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. And the organization has been around since 1976. It was mm-hmm. started, uh, founders were a group of uh, it, not only chiefs, but it was all persons above the rank of lieutenant. Uh, because early on, you could not be a member unless you were a lieutenant or above. And it's not just for black officers. Uh, we do have uh, officers, uh, personnel, or uh, officers. Now we allow officers and sergeants. But uh, we do have members who are not just not black, but we are open to anyone who wants oh, yeah. to join. And we also have a supporting member uh, category, and that is for persons who are not in law enforcement but may work in a law enforcement arena or outside but just or just want to support law enforcement. So we do have a supporting member category and the category for officers and sergeants uh, is associate member and then lieutenant and above is regular member. And we have uh, over 3,000 members throughout the U.S. and um, we have definitely continued to grow. We saw uh, definitely growth last summer after uh, some of the... Uh, uprisings because of the um, murder of George Floyd. And so we saw our brand get out more because we were being called to the table to discuss some of the issues that were plaguing law enforcement in the community. And so our current president is uh, Linda Williams, and she has done Mm -hmm. a fabulous job. And prior to Linda was Chief C.J. Davis and who did an exceptional job. So and it was the first time in Noble's history that we had three women back-to-back-to-back to back to back come up for, for the uh, position of presidency. And uh, the president's uh, position, the role you are uh, you're, you are voted in for one year, and uh, then you roll off, and we have a, a first and second VP that automatically roll into the president's position. So it, I believe that Noble has been instrumental since the inception of having impact in the law enforcement arena, uh, we have a program called The Law in Your Community, similar to the name of the podcast, which the mm-hmm. uh, program is designed to go out and to help the community members understand uh, their rights when dealing with law enforcement and also what can be done if they feel like they have been wronged by law enforcement. And those programs are put on by the local chapters uh, in a city, if your city has a chapter, and even if it does not, if you contact the national office and would like a program presented, then they will definitely arrange for a group to come to speak at whatever event. Uh, We've gone to churches, uh, many of the uh, sorority fraternity organizations and other organizations just to talk about the program. And we make sure that it's generic enough because we know every jurisdiction is different, but there are some basic things like how to interact with law enforcement that we want to make sure that we communicate especially to young people so that has been one of our great programs uh One of the things that also was started when I was president is that we started a chief's roundtable, and
3: mm-hmm. we also
1: did a sheriffs where it was a safe space for chiefs to come together and discuss some of the issues that they were facing internally and externally because many times you know in this leadership role there's not all everybody's coming to you for answers answers and there's not many places where a chief can go and say you know this is what's going on with me and you know kind of run things by somebody uh, share some of the issues and as we found out from having the roundtable Is that many of the chiefs had similar situations going on in their agencies or in their communities, and they were able to share different ideas or or different uh, initiatives that were implemented that were productive. So that was one of the um, signature programs or initiatives that I started, that was started under my leadership, that I just was really excited about because just to see uh, chiefs be in that safe space to have those discussions. And, again, mm-hmm. it has uh, carried on where I believe uh, when Chief Davis was the president, we had, it was done with the sheriff. So it, it's really been a, a great program that has just expanded under each president. And then we also started, um, as I was president, I also started the Women's Empowerment, where uh, women of all ranks, um, it was where we have an empowerment session and it this wasn't just a one time thing at the conference, but it's something that has every um quarter we've had since the COVID we've done it virtually, have a meeting with the women that are part of Noble and just to discuss some of the issues. We uh started the mentorship program from that, uh women who aspire to move up in the ranks. So, we have uh, that program has expanded. Um, it started under my leadership, but each president has taken it to another level. So, I'm very proud of that program, also.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Well, hey, Vera, I got to
0: uh, ask you a question uh, before uh, I, you know, I, I got to go through this. I got to go through this ritual, Vera, where I've got to introduce uh, my co host. There uh, <laughs> we go. And there and and, we go. You know, it is it is it is Chief Swaggity Swag Humphrey has <laughs> has has finally joined us.
5: Oh. Finally <laughs> it's joined. Miss Vera, Chief Vera, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Chief Vera, thank you for joining us and gracing us with your presence. And you know, I will I will tell you this uh, to the listeners out here. You're talking about the epitome of class. Uh, so oh yeah, he is the epitome of the epitome of class, and she's being a little bit, um, how do you say, very, um, she's being very humble. Uh, let's yeah. talk about that chief <laughs> mentoring program. I, I think it's safe to say, and, and, and chief, 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 please correct me if I'm wrong, but, but Noble has probably about a 70, 72% uh, rate on placing chiefs after they go through that program. I know it's very
0: yes.
5: high. Yes. And, yes, very and, high. And so, yeah. And, and so for the listeners out there, you know, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's an honor when, when you get a phone call and, and they ask, would you like to mentor someone? And, uh, it, it's an honor that, uh, it's a very intensive program because that, that, the, the person who's in that program has to actually go and shadow, uh, shadow their mentor. So they're with their mentor yes. like three days and and I believe they have to do that mm-hmm. a couple of times and it's amazing yeah, it's a not only as a yes ma'am mm-hmm. and not only is it yeah. amazing for that Perfect. person going through the program, but it's also amazing uh for for that mentor because you learn so much about your skills and things like that so and, and, and I will say this also uh uh chief bumpers i will I will tell you this um when when you were the president. Um, you, um, when you, when you, the conferences that you hosted, how did you say it, Berger? They were very eloquent, uh, very elegant, very, very professional, but, but you enjoyed being there. And it is such a proud moment to be at a conference and see that many people who look like you in professional positions, who go to, who go to class, who teach the class, you learn from them. It's a networking process. So I just wanted to say thank you for for when you were when you were the chief. Your leadership still uh, rings out uh, from from that point. So C J. And then and then now, uh, let's know you guys are. I, I call it girl power. I call it well woman <laughs> power. Woman power. Woman power.
0: Well, well,
5: hey, you know, I, I was going to go
0: back and mention uh, the conferences because, you know, I, you know, me being the, the former uh, chapter president for the Oklahoma Noble chapter, I think we Oklahoma in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we had one of the best conferences by far. Yes, we did. Yes. we did. We did. Yes. We had mm-hmm. we, we, we had mm-hmm. we had people who came to Oklahoma to Tulsa who. Who brought cowboy boots and they they, they saw a a, a a rodeo a, a little mini <laughs> rodeo happen. So yes. so I think it, no matter every conference that we have at Noble, uh, people will bring up that 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 Tulsa that Tulsa Oklahoma conference as one of the best conferences that they've attended. And we've had some really good conferences. Yes, we have. And,
1: we had and a good Bergen, conference. New Rock. I don't. Uh, I know Chief Humphreys wasn't there
0: at the time, but yeah, that he, he was, was a great conference in Lil' Rock. Yeah, yeah, he was. We well, got, actually, he uh, uh, and I we attended the conference together, but I let him talk about that. Okay. Hey, let me say,
5: let me let me just say this real quick, Chief <laughs> Chief Bumpers. Uh, if you're talking about the one that they had in Tulsa and, and Virgil's talking about, they brought people brought their cowboy hats. Let me let me yes. tell you about how let me tell you about how bougie he is. Uh, yeah. There was a there was a pasture of cows and he he asked me, Hey man, are those man, look at all those moose. Oh moose <laughs> over there. I'm like, they're cows. So hey, he, hey, he, hey, I'm just telling you. Hey, yeah.
0: Hey Hey man, we we, we no right, on that on, on on that right there, uh Chief Muffins, we gotta take a quick break and pay some bills, but but we're gonna be back with you, but you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
4: Recovery Month has become widely recognized and does an outstanding job of celebrating recovery, increasing awareness, and acknowledging the amazing work of providers, advocates, people in recovery, and their families. I believe our work together is helping many Americans better understand, seek out, attain, and sustain recovery. What began as a small and very good idea has grown into a national, mainstream, sustained and systematic public education and support effort, all focused on the message that people recover. Getting the message of recovery right is critical because people take action based on what they hear and see and, most importantly, what they experience. Experience shapes our knowledge, our values, our attitudes, our beliefs, and our action. Of those who recognized their need for treatment but didn't receive care, the number one reason was no health coverage and could not afford the cost. No one in need should be denied the opportunity for treatment and recovery in our country.
3: The Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM, and uh, Chapel Hill and Carver. Don't forget if you miss any part of the broadcast, you go to our website uh, at the, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com, the Bachelor with a T News Radio Network.com. Just click on above the law page and you can listen to, uh, just choose the Program you want to listen to in its entirety, and including this this night with um, with uh, Chief. Uh, did get a question uh, for your distinguished guest uh, again, and uh, uh, appreciate um, the the Chief uh, Bumpers being here from the Houston uh, Transit uh, Metro Transit Authority. And a question came from Sherita in Durham. She asked if, um, uh, Chief, if you've experienced more racism or sexism in your position and your thoughts on uh, black female law enforcement and the discrepancy as it relates to white female law enforcement. Back to you guys.
0: Hey, it's a great question. Chief, Chief Bumper, we'll uh, let you uh, answer that uh, listener's uh, question.
1: Well, uh, I think uh, she asked the question about if it was more racism or sexism. Uh, I'd probably have to say the sexism, um, because even though uh, you have ascended to a leadership role, uh, this still is a predominantly male profession. Uh, I think nationally, the last uh, information that I saw nationally in 2019, a little over 12% of all law enforcement persons, out of all law enforcement persons is the women, about a little over 12%. So that's, you know, nationally looking at that, that's a small number. Uh, Since I have been the chief of Metro Police, I've been very intentional about um, recruitment and having a diverse, Police department. So I'm just proud to say that uh, 30% of my personnel are women, and so uh, that's a, a way past the national average. So I'm happy about that. And and I think every leader has to be intentional about having a diverse uh, department, and you have to recruit intentionally. Uh, but I think it would be sexism, and and uh, and you recognize it immediately. Um, and it's not always men; it's women too. Uh, to mm-hmm. be honest, so oh, you yeah. can get it from both. Sides. Yeah, I'm not sure I missed the last part of her question. But I think it was the second part, second question. Yeah, uh, she
3: Chief Humphrey, has, did you? Yeah, the, set, you the second, the second, the second part of it. I'm sorry, the second part of it uh, to you, Virgil, and and, and Chief and, and Chief Humphrey. Uh, the second part was I guess she wanted you to compare uh, white law enforcement in terms of their advancement as opposed to uh, white female as opposed to black female advancement. The black female, okay.
1: Okay. Uh, I am I think uh, for me, I have not seen a difference. I think it just comes down to female, whether you're black or white. I don't think that, um, you know, uh, white females uh, send... Or quicker than black females, I and mean, it may depend on the area. I've not seen it in this area, um, so I'm not, I can't speak for all uh, counties or cities, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure. But I know in this area, I've not seen it. Um, but I think, again, I think all of that goes back to leadership, it, it starts with the leader who's ever leader. in charge yeah. really gets that tone. Um, yeah. And uh, it's all in, in the tone that they set about what yeah. they want for that department and what they if they want the department to reflect the communities they serve.
0: Yeah, well, you know, te- Texas is a little little more progressive, uh, and, and I'll say, you know, here in Oklahoma, uh, it, it is it is not this is the case because give an example here. We've got no uh, here in our
5: no here in Arkansas
0: no in, in Arkansas no. exactly. Uh, Here in Oklahoma City, with Oklahoma City Police Department, uh, there is only one black female who was the first black female, and now she's the first black female major. There's never been a black female to ever serve in the capacity higher than a major. Uh, And and that's within the history of, of this department. And so when you talk about, you know, really, you know, placing women in position, and even black men in, in that position, In by region. Um, Texas is a little bit more progressive. Arca- uh, Oklahoma is, is behind the times, just like Arkansas is, uh, even some other states from around the country. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, while I was, you know, researching, getting ready for this show, uh, you know, back in 1970, there was about 3% uh, women uh, made up of law enforcement now nationally it's about eleven point six percent. So uh, women account for a, a small, a small but a growing percentage of police officers uh, across the country. And you know, and, and let me ask you this, for our listeners, what is the, the what would you see would be the primary benefit of, in, in number one, recruiting women in law enforcement and women. Uh, advancing to leadership roles in law enforcement.
1: One of the things I think women just, in my opinion, and uh, I think women just police differently. Um, mm-hmm. They have a tendency to use their brain more than the brawn, and uh, we see that. <laughs> and if I think if we you, you know, if you looked at, and um, I've not, not researched the use of force data. I mean, but if you think about all the incidents. That have occurred that have made national news involving use of force, uh, none of them have involved women
3: um, You're right
1: that I can think of. and and I think that we have we are just used to multitasking we're used to being uh being able to balance and approach a situation uh with a calm uh we we can control many times our emotional ladder um and and know how to stay on top of that emotional ladder and not just go, you know, to a a place with the person we're dealing with. Uh, Because we've always been pretty much the in charge of the household. So you're dealing with little people and you're dealing with grown people in your household. So you know how to manage both and make sure that we gain some compliance. So Mm -hmm. I think that that we just bring a different uh, attitude uh, to the agency as well as leadership. I see yeah. definitely a benefit having women in leadership, and it's unfortunate that we have cities that are so behind the times when um, I think they're missing out on some great leaders and not uh, advancing those women, and especially those that, that aspire to move up. Not all women want to do that. Many say, and I've talked to women, say, you know, I'm not right now. I want to focus on my children. I'm in this profession. I like it, but once my children get to a point where they're self-sufficient, then I'll look at promoting, but not right now. But then mm-hmm. you have those that are ready now. So, But I think the fact that they are committed to wanting to learn, uh, to ensure when their name is called that they're ready, and that's one of the things that I try to push. You know, you may not want to do it now, but just stay in that ready position so you don't have to get ready.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we want to remind our listeners that you're listening to, if you're just now tuning in, you're listening to You and the Law on the bachelor news radio network and the calling number to the show is six four six nine two nine oh one three oh and if you miss any of the show uh... you can uh... catch us on uh... the bachelor news radio network dot com and just click click on the link and you can check out our previous shows if you're if you uh... don't catch all of all of uh, our live show but uh... you know we were, we were talking the other day and, and uh... you know uh... uh uh, lady that we all know who the former police chief in Dallas, Renee, you know, she came in to mm-hmm. an agency at the first, first, uh, black, uh, female police chief and, and, and kind of faced some, uh, some, some things that, um, uh, that she probably didn't expect, but, you know, mm-hmm. she had, she came from an age, she, very intelligent, uh, uh, young lady. Mm-hmm. And so, uh With that, and, and, you know, we also talked about the the new Waco police chief, uh, who's a good friend Mm -hmm. of yours, going to be taking Mm -hmm. over. So, and I think, you know, this past year, I think we've seen probably more than previous years, a lot more uh, African-American women being placed Mm -hmm. in police chief
1: roles. Yes, we have. We have. I think in 2019, 18 or 19, we had 12 uh, women, African American women, um, that were part of what you would consider major city, um, and they were chief, major city chiefs, mm-hmm. and so and, and, and uh, they were all connected with noble. They were all connected with noble, and and mm-hmm. and Chief Humphrey mentioned the mentoring program, and I have to really give credit to Dr. Patrick Oliver. Uh, he was the architect oh, yeah. of that program, and he has continued to be the leader of that program. And it has just, you know, it has just been phenomenal. We have so many testimonials of chiefs that have come out of that program. It's a two-year commitment, but what you gain in that two years, I don't think that you could gain from sitting in a classroom anywhere else. So uh, the shadowing is priceless for you to spend that time with an active chief to actually. See what goes on day to day because it's nothing like, you know, observing from afar, it's nothing like sitting in the chair. So yeah. it, it's a phenomenal program, and, you know, it, you just can't walk in the program. You know, you, you, you're you vetted. Um, they ask you to complete. Um, Dr. Oliver has you complete a uh, request, a form. Uh, you submit a paper. So it's not an easy just walk in and walk out. You know, you're going to work for it, and you will come out the better after going through the program.
0: Yeah, because uh, Chief Humphrey had uh, when he when you were the chief in Norman, you had somebody uh, come through uh, Norman PD and shadow with you, who who moved yeah, up I'd, to the rank also, of being uh, an assistant chief in what out in Seattle.
5: Yeah, uh, uh, Perry Tarrant, and yeah, Perry Tarrant. Yeah. Since I yeah, since I've been here, I've had someone come. But, but but Vera, I want to say something, and I would ask you to brag a little bit about this. Uh, tell because our our producers from North Carolina—that's my boy, that's my boy—and yes. could you kind LA. of brag about the, the the sisters that that made up North Carolina? Oh. There was there was quite oh, yeah. a that, yeah. If you could just kind of talk about the—they had a yeah. run on <laughs> on sisters a few years ago.
1: Oh yes, I mentioned that earlier. Um they okay. uh def- they did a um they were featured <clears throat> on Megan Kelly. Uh five Black female chiefs in North Carolina, which is, you know, that's unheard of they have that many female chiefs period, but um they spotlighted all five of them and uh I happen to know them and all phenomenal women, um leaders. I they're all still in their positions except I believe uh Chief Cassandra Dick Brown did announce that she's retiring, um, but I think she's retiring um, in March or April, I believe, of Raleigh. She's the chief in Raleigh, North Carolina. But the other four are still in their positions uh, in North Carolina, and they were able to spotlight just what a female chief brings to the table on a national level. And so we were very proud of that, knowing all five of those women are noble members, knowing that they have made uh a impact inside of the noble organization, uh definitely by sharing um, on being on panels, being instructors, and even mentoring many women and men that are part of noble. So we were very proud to see them highlighted and which definitely opened the door for other. Chiefs across the country who were in small and large agencies to be uh looked upon and seen just what they can bring to the table uh, we've made some great strides and it's just been just
3: phenomenal
1: to see uh, knowing where we came from so uh they as a matter of fact um uh, a couple of them uh I definitely always will give them a call when I know a female is trying to move up and or about to go through an assessment process for chief, and uh, they have always been very gracious to share uh, what they know and uh, tips on how they went through their process. So uh, it's just good when you have people who are willing to share, and it's not all about them, but they're open to help others. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're we're coming up on the, the last few minutes of the show but you know, me and Keith, we've talked about getting um, you know the executive director with Noble uh, on the podcast show, Dwayne Crawford, who you know has mm-hmm. been doing an outstanding job, uh, you know, leading Noble. Uh, so you know, if if uh, if if, if Dwayne is listening, you know, you're going to get an invitation to come on the uh, the hottest uh, law enforcement podcast show uh, and, and talk to us about Noble. So, but. You know, Veer, it's been uh, you know it's been great having you on. And, and Keith, I gotta say this to our listeners: you know, we all are faced with this this weather challenges. And I talked to I talked to Veer earlier, and they were dealing with some power outages in Houston. And she said, "I'm not gonna miss this show. This is the hottest <laughs> show around. I'm, I want to be on with Chief Swag." So I gotta thank her for taking the time to come out uh, under the. the the situation that she's dealing with in Houston.
1: Yes, sir, I was just, it was my honor. I definitely did not want to miss it. And Chief Swag, I, I really need him to explain <laughs> to me what the stands for. I know a couple of things it stands for, but I'm sure he has his own. So, but, uh, you know, one, two uh, of, definitely both of you are my favorites, and I, I appreciate you so much for the investment that you're making in this profession. And in, in our communities, because, again, as I said earlier, this is something that is definitely needed. Uh, it's necessary at this time. And, you know, God already knew we would be what we would be faced with. So I just thank you for giving of yourselves and uh, sharing and bringing others on. And I really enjoyed the conversation about Bass Reeves uh, last week. Oh, thank week. you. Uh, that's thank so you. That was phenomenal. It was just phenomenal. So um, yeah. thank you all for what you do.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank well, you. thank you so much. And,
5: and hey, hey, Vera, just remember, he said mooses. He said there's a whole crowd man,
0: of mooses. Hey, man, man that ain't sitting there oh, about
5: no mooses, man. You know what? Let me, hey,
0: have you ever rode a horse? Hey, Keith, have you ever yeah, rode a horse?
5: You have? I have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right.
0: We man, gonna, go, we gonna
5: hey, they going go and tell the listeners. Man, go on and wrap this up, man. <laughs> tell the listeners, man. Hey, hey man, come on. Hey. People ain't got tired of hear that, man. <laughs> hey,
0: man. Vera. Vera, we want to thank you. We're going to get we're going to get you back on the show again. But but hey, we want to tell everybody that you know if you missed any parts of this show, definitely uh, go to Network dot com and click on the link to listen to any previous shows as well as this show uh, that'll be put up on the. Uh, on the, on the website. But again, everybody, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you next week with another special guest on You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you so much. Thank you.